is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kiley. This is Before the Box Score, your post-game Kentucky edition. You lived under a rock and didn't watch the game. A, awesome. Great for you. B, uh, Missouri lost. The Wildcats uh, sneak out of Kentucky, uh, out of Columbia, I should say, with a walk-off roughing the kicker penalty. Is that what we're going to call it? Uh, and, and they win, 21-17, based off of just a new rule that no one had any idea existed. BK, uh, how are you doing? Uh, I, I guess we can start here. I thought it was the right call. <laughs> I, I actually think they officiated yeah. it correctly. I I think that like the thing we're probably not doing. Did, did you know that was the rule though? Did you know that before? Yeah. Now? If he's in a kicking motion, once he establishes himself as a kicker, you, you can't hit him. Like that's, that's why we do the rugby style punts, right? If a, if a guy goes into the kicking motion after running five yards, he's, he's a punter. So if once you, you establish, if you go into the rugby motion, though, you can get tackled. You can That's while you're a ball carrier, though. Thing. Once they go into motion, or once they go into establishing themselves as a punter, however, they have now gone into being protected once again. Yeah, that's popping. <laughs> hey, I, I hear you. Maybe people dislike the rule. Yeah. Um. What What was amazing about that play, though, is, I mean, Kentucky's punter deserves an immense amount of credit for picking the ball up and immediately getting rid of it so that he was even in such a position. Um, but like the, the thing that's frustrating is I, I get why people are mad about that play because that's the last thing that we saw. 
it was far from the only thing that went wrong in that game for Mizzou. Like the, oh, for sure. the special yeah. teams in general yeah. were a disaster from for Mizzou from start to finish. And that goes well beyond the punt where things went awry. But it was that it was Eli Drinkwitz not challenging a play that was clearly officiated incorrectly where the guy was a yard short mm-hmm. on third and one. Um, it was mm-hmm. the fourth and one play where they decided to take a timeout when they didn't need to, and then decided to run the most obvious quarterback sneak against a defense that was fully prepared for a quarterback sneak. When you have an undersized center going up against massive human, like there's a million different things we can get into, but I understand why the last thing that we saw is the thing that we latch onto, but it was not the thing that necessarily quote unquote lost this game for Mizzou in my mind, at least. No. It is it is the last big play that occurred that set in motion sure. basically that the fact that Missouri was going to lose that game. Um, th- there is no guarantee that if oh God Will Norris blocked it or they just allowed it to happen. You know, if they allowed the punt to happen, Missouri takes over on the thirty-five. What are the odds they get a touchdown there? Like, not great, Bob. <laughs> it, I, they had, they had basically spent all their charges getting fourteen in a row within ten minutes. It, it did not seem that this offense was capable of doing that. So I'm not saying it was, you know, you, you stole the game for us by, by officiating it this way far from it. I am saying though, that you certainly put him basically sealed the deal by giving that same terrible offense, uh, 30 seconds to go 80 (laughs) yards instead of, you know, two minutes to go 35. So it was the nail in the coffin. The coffin Um, had already been made, but that, that was the nail that finished everything. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's the last thing you think of. It was the last big play. It was very confusing. I had no idea that, uh, you know, if the ball goes over your head and you're scrambling back for it, you are still a punter. I, th- I figured at that point you had, you know, you were running, you were doing something with it, but okay. <laughs> hey, what, what, what do I know? I am not uh, paid to be an SEC referee and read the thousand and fifty page book on officiating football. That sounds awful. <laughs> So uh, I have no idea. Learn something new every day. It just seems odd, BK, that every time Missouri plays Kentucky, there seems to be some kind of weird officiating shenanigans. You go back to 2017, Missouri was driving on Kentucky. Not saying they were going to score, just like any other thing, but they were driving. They had him on the heels. And Jamon Moore catches the ball, gets tackled, tosses it uh to or sorry he doesn't toss it the kentucky player kicks the ball away from the referee the referee you know goes for a sunday stroll to go pick it up calmly throws it back to the center in which 13 seconds tick off of a 30 second clock and missouri loses all that time to try and move the ball they just run out of time in their comeback 2018 you know that one we all know that one the uh the not the push off that was not called missouri, uh, kentucky scores and with literally no time left on the clock to win 15 14 and then, you know, you got this one where it's like, oh, by the way, surprise. <laughs> you might not know it, but that is still a puncher and you can't touch it. Wasn't there so, the other, was it, was it that it, same one where there were the, the other two pass interference penalties in the end zone on Mizzou? Uh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I, I think it might've been the same one. That just lock them up. Might as well. <laughs> like it just, they're just, it always seems like there's some kind of officiating error that goes the wrong way for the good guys. And Kentucky is the beneficiary of it. And I don't know what to tell you. I can't tell you, you know, I don't think big blue nation is in the pocket or uh, has uh, their referees in their pocket. I don't think they really give a crap about Kentucky football like most of the world, but it does seem like that the calls always go against Missouri. Now I will say this, just beat them, beat them by 20. Then you don't have to worry about referee shenanigans or them being at their job, being bad at their job. If you can just 
out execute them, you know, put them in a position where they're uncomfortable. You know, I don't know, maybe with the terrible offensive line and a quarterback that's hurt, you know, maybe those kind of scenarios, uh, you know, just put them, in, put them in a bind and Missouri. And you, you said this in the last, last show, Missouri and Kentucky always seem to be in a very similar place and neither one can get away from the other one. And when you have very tight games, and in this case, when you run a very quick game with very low possessions, shenanigans can decide the outcome. And much like other iterations of this game, that's what happened. Kentucky finished the game averaging 4.1 yards per play. They averaged 2.0 yards per rush attempt. Let's put that in context now, shall we? I wrote about this in my five takeaways. The Tigers are now 2-2 two and two this season when their defense allows fewer than 4.2 yards per play. 2-2. Two and two. The two losses came, of course, against Kentucky and against Auburn. Missouri was 21-3 over the last decade when they allowed 4.2 or fewer yards per play. The only losses were against Texas in the Texas Bowl, Vandy in 2015, and Georgia in 2015. Remember when we said we were concerned that this was 2015 all over again? Well, it's 2015 all over again, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're watching. It's an offense that is not good, a defense that is excellent, and when Missouri, I remember talking to Gary Pinkle about this after games in 2015 when I was still covering the team on a day-to-day basis up close and in person. He would say, we have zero margin for error offensively. If we turn the ball over once, if we turn the ball over on downs, if we have terrible pre-snap penalties, we can't win. We can't overcome those things. That's just too much for us because we are so limited offensively. And guess what? The same thing is true once again. What changed between South Carolina and Kentucky? Because it's not as if the offense was like gangbuster. You talked about this during the week. It's not as if the offense was fantastic against South Carolina. They just didn't make the mistakes. They they didn't have the turnovers. They didn't have the turnover on downs. Like it it was all of that stuff. It was the fewer pre-snap penalties and then like basically eliminated the holding and bad like post-snap penalties offensively. And then it all showed back up against Kentucky. And that's why they lost this game. Like, you want to hone down on any one thing? It was the mistakes. They, they beat themselves. Kentucky yeah. didn't beat them so much yeah. as Missouri beat themselves on in this game. Against South Carolina, Missouri was called for nine penalties, seven of which were accepted, a total of 55 penalty yards. Against Kentucky, seven penalties called, seven penalties, or six penalties accepted, 70 yards. Now, on the flip side, Kentucky was called for 13, 13 penalties, 89 yards. So neither team was doing great as far as execution goes. It was really just, you know, yeah, it was the fourth down screw up where you should have audible to something else. And it was the the <laughs> fake punk spike it into your knee, bounce it right into the arms of the linebacker. You know, that one. That was it, you know, that and 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 there are other things, you know, you can talk about the fight or you can talk about the targeting that, you know, whatever. Like yeah, there's a lot of 50-50 calls that went against Missouri's way. Guess what? They were still in the game. And if you don't put yourself in bad positions, if you don't waste possessions like they did twice, maybe we're talking about a different outcome, but they didn't. Yeah, if Missouri not. played so, a clean game yeah. and all of those calls still went the same way that they did, I would be more than happy to participate in the bl- the blaming of the refs. And the refs were mm-hmm. bad. They, they did not have a good game in this one. But because Missouri had so many self-inflicted wounds where they were two for 13 on third down, most of which were passes that were short of the sticks. Like, I mean, what? no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to blame the refs when that was on you and the, the fumble yeah. on Brady cook, when he just 
like you said, literally decided, oh, no, this is a hot potato. I got to get rid of this. Or the punter deciding, like, this is my moment. I'm ready to go ahead. <laughs> Jack, buddy, you're not. You're he not literally, I, I could hear him through the television saying, Leroy Jenkins. I could feel it like he was ready to go. And it's just uh, like, what, what do you want? It's Jack Stonehouse yeah. time. Jack That's Stonehouse. Right. It was not, by the way. It was very much not. It's almost or the squib kicks, the squib kicks, like all all of these okay. were these were yeah. your own doing. I, I it's so mm-hmm. hard for me to get mad. Or again, going back to the Eli Drinkwitz could have challenged the spot. It was third and one. They you mm-hmm. you stopped them. You did what you set out to do. And every everybody on the field, I think in Kentucky, uh, their sideline, and then Missouri certainly their defense. Everybody knew he was short, and they just continued as if there was like the men in black flashy thing that went in front of everybody's eyes and people <laughs> thought that it was just yeah. it worked i i don't understand but that was all on mizzou that's not Man, on the refs i'll say this i i've said it before i'll say it again if you if the whole ability for your football team to win requires the referee team to be 100 <laughs> flawless you are a bad team you are a bad team flat out it's the same way that people compa- complain about sportsmanship when they lose <laughs> like no you lost if you're complaining about sportsmanship you lost the game okay so that's it if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be you know if you're not gonna be mouthy if you're not gonna challenge stuff if you're gonna put it in the hands of a referee team being flawless that you're bad you're a bad football team and i don't think missouri's a fo- bad football team they are elite on one side and they are very much not on the other and that one side can get you there. They can get you there. This defense, let's just, let's let's heap some praises on them. They did literally everything you could to put the offense in a position to win this game. They held Kentucky to 21 points. They held them to like two points per scoring attempt or something oh crazy. God. I haven't done the math yet, but that's just off the top of my head. They you know, they didn't get any turnovers. I will get that. They attacked the guy six times. They had like 10 tackles for a loss. They were active in the passing game. They were, they were blocking passes. They were, they were flying all over the place. Darius Robinson, DJ Coleman, career days. Career days. And they, they just, there wasn't enough because this offense could not get things done. And the special teams continued to put Kentucky in a, in a situation where they had to go fewer yards than Missouri did to try and score. And so they had more scoring opportunities. They didn't have all that many points, but they had more opportunities and a few of them clicked, and that was the difference. So, the, this defense rocks. Blake Baker earned all of the you know one point. Anything is one point three is the average or something like that that he's going to get over the next three years. One point one, then one point two, then one point three. Earned it, earned it, one hundred percent, no doubt about it. Drinkwitz, well, TBD. Offense is a work in progress. This offensive line isn't great. You know, Marcus Johnson has fielded good offensive lines in 2020 and 2021. He has not now. <laughs> and I don't know what to tell you. Um, the plan uh, was blown up when you had Bency Polgar be ineligible and Zeke Powell go down with an injury. And you just you got a lot of talent, but they're not old enough. They're not ready yet. So we just ride this one out. And uh, here we are. I mean, Missouri's defense has allowed an average of 18.7 points per game in SEC play. And that includes the pick six. So if you take that out, it's basically like 18 points per game. 
on a related note, Missouri is now two and four in SEC play. And there's there's the story of the season. Your defense is allowing 18 points per game in the SEC. It's it's 2015. That's what this is. It's it's the it's the exact same story. I remember trying to come up with new ways to spin the season in 2015 when I was doing Columbia radio. And it, that that's all this is what we're doing right now. We're just it's the same game that we've seen all year. It's just a matter of does do the bounces go Missouri's way. That's what it was against Vandy. That's what it was against Florida. That's what it was against Auburn. That's what it was this week against Kentucky. It's did did they play a clean game? Did the bounces go their way? If the answer to those two questions is yes, then they probably won. And that's only happened twice so far in SEC play. If the answer to those questions is no, then they lost. And that's what's happened in every other SEC game so far this year. It's really frustrating. It's really frustrating to watch. Mm-hmm. Because when you... And this gets into just like aesthetically what I prefer watching. When you're a team that can throw the ball all over the yard and sometimes you lose like 42-45 or 51-45, stuff like that, it's frustrating, don't get me wrong, but at least you have fun watching your offense. (laughs) When you play the way that Missouri does, it's just infuriating because every week is a rock fight. And that's not to suggest that you shouldn't build your team this way. I, I I get it. I really do. And this is the talent that they have. It's the hand they've been dealt. But it's just so frustrating. Like, everything about this team is just really frustrating right now. Nate, I've got one more stat for you. Mm-hmm. Because we've sure. talked a lot about the havoc. And let, let's, I'll get back to the good side of things here. We've talked a lot about the havoc and what what a Blake Baker's defense looks like. Why was he extended the way that he was? And I mean, you can just look at the points per game against the SEC teams, and that is good enough. But against Kentucky, you mentioned it, all of the tackles for loss. They finished with 11 in the game. They also had six sacks. They also played to their identity and that they did allow some big plays. They had uh, six pass plays of 15 or more yards, four rushes of 10 or more yards. So those 10 plays for Kentucky gained 196 yards on the day. Kentucky mm-hmm. ran 49 other plays on the day, other than those explosive ones. Those 49 plays accounted for a total of 46 yards in terms of net yardage. They were averaging mm-hmm. fewer than one yard per play on like 80% of their plays over the course of the day. Basically, when they snapped the football, they could either expect to have an explosive play or get nothing. And that's Missouri's defense. And that's Blake Baker. Mm -hmm. That's what he's trying to accomplish. You make it so hard for the opposing team to string together three, four, five plays in a row, much less eight to ten plays on a long extended drive, that, that you have the ability to end drives quickly. That's why this defense is successful. So um, going forward, that's what you expect out of Blake Baker's defense. And you hope that in the future, they can pair that with a more successful offense. For sure. So going back to 2015, because I'm, I'm, I'm a poop. I need to do it. I, <laughs> yeah, to I thought I got us back on the uh, positive train. <laughs> it's okay, man. No, I, I, no, I, I, I swear I'm doing this in a positive manner. Let's talk 2015 mm-hmm. real quick. That was a terrible offense. That was an elite defense. The reason you started to see hope towards the end is because, at least in my opinion, you saw Gary Pingle go, screw it, we're playing the younger guys. So you started seeing Drew Locke. You started seeing Kevin Pendleton, Nate Crawford on the offensive line. Jonathan Johnson started working his way in. 
saw a little bit of Sean Culkin. Well, I guess he was already there. But you saw, you know, Walter Brady. Now, again, he was dismissed, but you understand you saw Walter Brady. You saw some younger guys making plays. Michael Shearer was was heavy in the rotation as an inside linebacker. Um, you saw Pinkle just go, you know what? I don't care. Just whatever works, works. And while they weren't consistent, you started seeing those guys and go, okay, okay, it's not great now. <laughs> it's It's really not great now. But you're starting to see flashes. BK, think of the younger guys. Think of the younger guys yesterday. Are there any that you saw on either offense or defense? I don't care. But just younger guys, freshmen, maybe a sophomore who hasn't had heavy rotation. Are there any younger guys that you saw and you thought they are doing good work on the field even if the wins aren't coming? Uh, yeah, Luther. Like Luther Burden had probably his best overall game of the season uh, against Kentucky. So yeah. that was one that I want to give credit to. Uh, Makai Miller, he, he, it was only one play, but I thought yes. it was, I mean, without yes. that play, I don't know that Missouri gets back into it. I thought that was the spark, mm-hmm. uh, that really set the game into motion. So those would be two that immediately come to mind for me. Uh, I think like Dalen mm-hmm. Carnell has shown flashes all season long of just being a really, really mm-hmm. good player. And I think you continued to see that in this one. Those would probably be, though, for me, the the main ones that come to mind immediately. Is there anybody else that comes to mind for you? Well, I would say Armand Mimbu. Sure, I know yeah. he has he has been in the rotation before, and not just yesterday, but you know they 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 threw the number nine on him, so he was lining up as a tight end, and I thought he did great. He pulled, he blocked, he blocked his ass off. Uh, it's it's great to see him involved, and I think that is a that's a guy who I'd like to see in the rotation, like the starting five rotation. And I don't know, I don't know what he has to do either in practice or in games to get there. I would throw one like more in there, by him. the way, sticking with the offensive line before you move on. Uh, EJ and Doma Ogar, I know he ended oh, up getting God. hurt in that yeah. game, and it, it doesn't sound like he's probably going to be back anytime soon, but he had been playing very well. So that's mm-hmm. another one that we should yeah. probably add to this mix as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. Oh, and, and my boy Taj Butts, he's finally playing. <laughs> Welcome as a back. fullback. It's great. And he had, he had two targets. He had a catch for 10 yards. Like I loved it. I love seeing that. We saw a little bit of Elijah young, not, not often. Um, he was targeting. I think he had a ran for like a negative one yards on his pass, but like you're seeing some, some rotations beginning to expand it on offense. I like that. I think for me, Mikhail Miller stands out the most. He did. He had some really good run great. blocking as a receiver. And then, of course, the pass that he caught. Do you uh, do you follow his dad on Twitter at all, or have you seen any of his tweets? He's responded to me a few times, so I, I'm familiar nice. with him. Yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> he's always t- he's always talking about how he, he taught Makai. You know, hey, act like you've been there. You know, don't get anything too flashy. Just put your head down and work. And yesterday, Makai catches that pass. You know, puts the juke on a guy and goes for like you know 26 yards or whatever it was. Gets up tosses the ball to the ref and gives him a little, you know, first down mark, like Barrett Bannister likes to do. And his dad's like, you know, <laughs> Luther and Barrett are rubbing off on Makai negatively <laughs> because he, for a split second, he threw a first down marker. Crack me up. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Makai is a great piece and he gets overshadowed because we have, you know, Dominic Lovett on the team. And also, Oh, by the way, Luther Burden in his signing class, but man, that is a good piece to build around. You need the flashy guy like Luther. You need the all-purpose guy like Dom, but you also need just the utility guy, just the guy who can make tough catches and get open like a Barrett Bannister can. And Makai Miller is kind of like he is a quicker, faster Barrett Bannister. And if he can, if he sticks around, that is a great piece to build around. Yeah, they 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 have a couple of guys that you're excited about. 
And that's nice to see. And I do think that Eli Drinkwitz, like the, the change that he has made was uh, very frustrating because he went back to the same outside zone against Kentucky that he ditched <sighs> against South Carolina to much success. But whatever, that's another conversation for another day. Um, I think the changes that he's making are more personnel driven than they are schematic. Um, I would mm-hmm. also add, though, one thing that they've done is they've basically ditched tight ends. Like, I think I saw yeah. the snap counts and it was like 20 snaps total for their tight ends in this game. And they, like you mentioned, have gone more to a fullback in those where it's like a wingback instead of a tight end. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. And I think that Eli Drinkwitz deserves credit for making the adjustment when it's become increasingly clear. Hey, we've got this guy out there with, with whoever the tight end is at any given time. They're not very good at blocking. They really have added nothing in the receiving game. So what exactly do, do they do? Like Personnel-wise, it's supposed to give us a matchup advantage, but is it? Or is it just making us weaker there? And instead, maybe we should use Armand Mimbu 20 plays a game. Maybe we mm-hmm. should use Taj Butts 20 plays a game. And between those two guys, I've got a really good blocker and a guy that can either factor into the passing or the running game and maybe they end up adding a little bit of an extra element to our offense. And that's what they've gone to, and I think it's really smart. So I will give them credit for that, but the mm-hmm. the scheme of things has been a little flat, to say the least. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why outside zone came back. That's a, that's a defense that loves that stuff. They want you to run to the side. And he they apparently really mentioned that. to the broadcasters prior to the game, that is our bread and butter. So Of course so. Um, it's It's not going to change. Like, that's, what, that's who he is. That's what the... Yeah, that's what the offense is, and we just got to live with it. And hopefully, they get better at it when their offensive line in future years is better. Yeah, we'll see. So anyway, battle of third place is done. Kentucky wins yet again, seven of eight. Did I see right that Missouri basketball has more wins over Kentucky than Missouri Makes football sense. does? Yeah, just how we drew it up, man. Just how we drew it up. When we all enter the SEC, that's exactly what we thought was going to happen. Um, man, I really don't have anything else to add to this game at all. I don't like talking about it, and there really isn't much to take away. BK, what are your final thoughts? I mean, it, it it's just the Auburn game all over again. Like, that's yeah. what we just witnessed. It, it was a little different, and it was at home, and it was slightly higher scoring, but it was basically the Auburn game, 2.0, and you, you did everything you needed to do defensively to win. You had every opportunity to be able to come back offensively and you just you shot yourself in the foot repeatedly. And I, I think the thing that's going to stick with me from that game, and maybe this is unfair because there was a lot that went wrong. But when you have a couple of coaching decisions where your job as the coach is to put your team in the best position to succeed. And I don't believe Eli Drinkwitz did that on Saturday. I, mm-hmm. I think he actively made things worse. With the squib kicks, with the fourth and one play that he decided to go to. And I don't know if he, I will give him an out on this. I don't know if he told Brady, hey, if they stack the middle like that, you've got to turn this from a sneak into a sweep. If that was the play design there, I don't think it was, but just to give him an out. Okay, that's on Brady then. But that that quarterback sneak was atrocious. And I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, no, that was execution. It wasn't on the play call. No, it was on both. The execution was trash, but the play call and design was also bad, given the way that Kentucky lined up on it. And even worse was the process where they decided to do that same thing that they've done a million times, bring Tyler Macon into the game, pretend as if they're going to go for it, and then call a timeout. So all of that was bad. 
and somehow worse was the third and one play by Kentucky where they did not get there and Drinkwitz just let it go. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that just, that can't happen. It has to be challenged. If you're Drinkwitz in that spot, you have to challenge that play. Kentucky scored a touchdown five plays later. They go up 14 to three. It was basically the turning point in the game. So those are the two things that are going to stand out to me that will stay in the back of my mind while I understand for most others, it will be the punt that went against mm-hmm. Mizzou. Someday, Tyler Macon is going to take that snap and start running, and the defense is just absolutely going to poop themselves. You know what's worst? The, no the worst thing about that is, Nate, hmm. that should be Macon's job. Yeah. Like, he, his role... <laughs> it's really good at that. <laughs> ...should be, I'm really big and strong and run hard. Put me in for the fourth and one sneaks, or the third and one sneaks. Yeah. And that's fine. If that's exclusively his role on game days is to be a great backup quarterback and a cheerleader for the team. And then on the short yardage situations, he comes in for sneaks. Cool. Just use him that way. Actually do it next time. I would have even been fine if they decided to, I I wouldn't like it, but they decided to take the time out and then they just bring him back in and he replaces cook. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Run the option there, run a sweep there, run something to the outside. Hell there was given the way that tenant or Kentucky lined up rather, you could have just snuck your tight end to the outside. Like just mm-hmm. a quick little immediate glance look over, mm-hmm. pop it over to him, and boom, you're done. There were a million different ways to do it. The one thing that absolutely never had a chance was the thing that they did. So that's my soapbox. I'm not gonna... <laughs> And so are we. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockham flagship at Rockham Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.